looking at the passage, um, Joshua 5, verses 30, uh, verse 13 through to chapter 6, verse 5. But we'll primarily be focusing on the, the verses in chapter 5. Um, we'll read those in a minute. I just want to just read something out quickly, which um, is a guy called Colin Peckham, who's written a commentary on uh, Joshua. And he, he finishes his, his sort of summary or his, his summary of the verses of, that we're going to look at is this. However difficult the way ahead may be, let us not be fearful. For if we humbly and submissively enjoy the revelation of his presence, we have nothing to fear. For we need not be preoccupied with our impregnable, impregnable Jerichos, but we can rest in our omnipotent God. I just feel that's the message for God uh, to us today. I think... There was no coordination on, on the part of Ben and myself in terms of what songs he was going to sing, but he sang songs that were about being in the presence of God, seeking after God, um, and that being our, sort of our desire. And in, sort of in, in the presence of God, all of our fears are, are taken away and our concerns are, are stripped away. And that's exactly what I'm going to be speaking about. So for me, I was sort of very encouraged um, by that. So thank you, Ben. And a lot of the words that were brought today were all about different facets of God, the, the different ways that we can understand him and the different aspects of his character, and I feel that's something that God wants to communicate to us today. Um, so we'll just read through these verses and then I'll, I'll kick off. Okay, so it's uh, Joshua 5, verse 13, through to chapter 6, uh, verse 5. Now when Joshua was, was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord bring for his servant, or have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And Joshua did so. Chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hand along with its king and fighting men. March around the city once with all armed men. Do this for six days. Uh, have seven priests carry the trumpets of horn, uh, ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. So I just want to read that, that quote again. Um, it says, however difficult the way ahead may be, let us not be fearful. For if we humbly and submissively enjoy the revelation of uh, his presence, we have nothing to fear. We need not be preoccupied with our impregnable Jerichos, but we can rest in our omnipotent God. So what he's saying there is that however difficult it is, whatever your worries are, whatever your concerns are, as Ben shared at the beginning, I was just laughing to myself as he did that. We're not here to worry. We're, when we are concerned and have worries, we're not worshipping. We're not in a place where we can worship. So God wants to say, come to me, lay your worries down, give them to me, and then you can worship and I will speak to you and I'll give you the strategy and the advice and the guidance of what to do. Okay, so how did this happen for Joshua? Well, Joshua had an encounter with the commander of the army of the Lord. Um, who is this commander? Sort of some people think it may be an angel, but um, 
is actually a Christ we have is called a Christophany, which is a complicated word, but basically it means um, an, an appearance of the pre-incarnate Jesus, or very simply it means that's how Jesus used to show up in the Bible before he was born as such. So um, there are many instances of, of that type of thing happening um, in the Old Testament. Some are debated over about whether they're angels appearing or whether it actually was um, Jesus or it was a, it was a revelation of God. Um, but this particular instance, we have some clues about how we can tell that it actually was Jesus. There's um, a few things, uh, one of which is that um, he's referred to as Lord. Joshua calls him the Lord. He says, what, what message does the Lord have for my servant? For his servant, rather. Um, which that would have been referring to him as God. And then there's a place, and also that he says, that the place where you are, the commander of the army of the Lord says to Joshua, the place where you are is holy. So he was in the presence of God. Because where the presence of God is, that's a holy place. Mm. Places aren't made holy by <coughs> the temples that they have or by the artifacts that they have. They're made holy by the presence of God. Um, primarily, though, I felt that it was the, the, the fact that he didn't refuse the worship of Joshua. Joshua falls down on his knees and sort of is worshipping this man. And everywhere else you look in the Bible, if someone's being worshipped, and they're not God, they say, whoa, 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 don't worship me, I'm just a man. Peter in uh, Acts chapter 10 uh, says that Cornelius sort of starts worshipping him and he says, stand up, I'm only a man too. Um, again, in Acts uh, chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas, um, they, they're in a town and the people want to worship them, I think there's Zeus, and I can't remember the other person, but they think that they're these gods that have come down as men. And they say, no, 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 no. We're of the same nature as you. We're not gods. We're, we're just normal men. Um, and in Revelation, John falls down to worship an angel. And the angel says to him, well, don't do that. I'm just a servant like you. So when people try and worship an angel, the angels always say, no, 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 it's God. And when people try and worship godly men, they say, no, no, it's not me. I'm just, I'm just like you. But it's just God's chosen to do something. What does Joshua's response teach us about how we should respond when we meet Jesus, when we meet God? I think there's three things uh, that come out from that quote as well. It's that we should be humble before God. We should be confident to seek and receive guidance from God. And we should be expectant to have a deeper understanding of who God is afterwards. We need to be humble before God because we need to recognize what state we're in before him. And we need to say, I know this is too big for me. I know this is this is." crazy, I can't do this myself, I need your guidance. So then we need to be confident that he's going to speak into our lives and give us that guidance. And then after he's done something in our lives, there's always a different understanding. After that word about Jesus being a, a diamond with different facets on it, there's always something more that we can learn about God. And for Moses, uh, for Joshua, he'd seen things with Moses, but when things happened to him, like the parting of the Red Sea, he'd seen the first Red Sea parted, but then when he got to, to the Jordan, God parted it in a different way for him, and it was like he'd experienced it in one way, but then he experienced it in a different way, and so there's, there's always something new, even if it's a, a similar experience or the same experience almost, we can always learn a, something different about Jesus. Okay, so we need to, we should be humble before God, should be confident to seek and receive guidance, and should we, we should be expectant have a deeper understanding of who God is after 
we've followed his, uh, his instructions. So what happens when we meet God? We're humbled. Um, he ref- uh, Joshua said, who, who are you? And he said, as commander, of the Lord, the, as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. When we meet God, we should be humbled. Um, here we see Joshua meet with God, and he's in a place of consecration and holiness. Joshua's not, he's not sort of been out in the town drinking and boozing it up and sort of getting with a load of girls. He's, he's in a place of holiness. He's just consecrated all of his men, as Andy shared with us um, last week so vividly. Um, <laughs> thankfully not too in detail but um, so Joshua's in a good place he's not like he's, he's not coming to the meeting going oh man I really need to get my sins sorted out he's coming and he's sort of yeah I'm feeling really good about how I am with my relationship with God I'm reading my Bible every, I'm reading my Torah every day I'm, you know but he still falls face down because he understands when he's in the presence of the person who reveals himself to be God he understands how holy and magnificent that person is and how sinful and feeble and weak he is. And when we meet God, we should be made very aware of how holy and righteous he is and how unworthy we are. And I'm not saying this as a, as a thing of we're all rubbish. In, cause in one sense, Jesus has paid the price for our sin. We're made perfect before God. But at the same time, we need to have that humble attitude and recognize the fact that before God, we are all unworthy in one sense. Okay. Um, Jesus, Jesus doesn't make us aware of this unworthiness to condemn us. He doesn't say, you're unworthy, and so I'm just going to kick sand in your face while you're down there. I'm going to make fun of you. I'm going to say, look how good I am. Look how bad you are. What he does is he says, I can see how much you've got going on. I can see how much sin there is in your life and I'm going to do something about it. And that's the whole the whole thing of the gospel is that God sees how bad man is, how sinful man is. And he says, I'm going to send my son because Jesus said, I'm going to come and make a way for you guys to be made holy and made righteous and able to enter into the presence of God, which as we did this morning, because I think it was two songs in, we were in the presence of God. And that's not because those songs are anything special. It's not because of any any sort of trick that was done musically. It's just because God is pleased to be with us. His desire is to be with us and for us to be with him. So when we meet God and we aren't in the right place, the first thing he does is he says, "This is these are your sins. He, he shows us what it is, not to condemn but to convict. So we can go, I wasn't even aware that I was doing that. Help me sort it out. And he cleanses us from our sin. In the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 6, this is sort of Isaiah's commissioning to, to become a prophet of the Lord. He says, in the, year, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two their feet, and with two they were flying. That's crazy. Um, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy. Lord Almighty, and the whole earth is filled, is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
What Isaiah was worried about was the fact that he had sin in his life. He was a man of unclean lips, and yet he'd seen God. So he knew, I'm, that's it, I'm done for. There's no, there's no coming back for me. I'm in the presence of someone who's completely holy, and I'm not. That means I need to be wiped out. But what happened was that one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And when he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. What God does is he provides a means and a way for our sins to be atoned for. That's what happened with Jesus on the cross. Jesus was an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Um, and so we need to be humble before God. And that doesn't mean that we go around on our knees, crawling around with our faces to the carpet, getting carpet burn on the end of the nose. That's not, that's not the sort of thing that I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that we can approach the, thro the throne of grace with confidence and expect to find mercy and grace from God there, but we need to do it with a humble attitude. We're not going there saying, come on, grace me up. Come on, Jesus, give me some of that mercy. It's not like that at all. If you're going there like that, you're going to be very sorry. Um, yeah, so I'm not saying we need to be sort of, oh, I'm so sinful, I'm so bad, because that's not what Jesus has called us to. That's not what he saved us for. He saved us to live a life that's abundant and serving. If you're, if you're feeling down like that all the time, you're not going to be able to serve well, because you're going to be worried about how sinful you are. What I'm saying is that if we don't have a relationship with God, we don't have experiences with God, which I would say regularly, I know for me, this has just started happening again recently for me, and so maybe that's why I feel it's right to share it with everyone. Um, but if you're not on your knees before God regularly, regularly, then I'd say you're missing something in your relationship with God because I think we can too often limit him to sort of one particular aspect, and we should be on our knees before God as a sign of humility and humbling ourselves. So to apply that practically is just is simply to do it. There's no other way. You can't go, Lord, give me, give me humility. I mean, you can do, but to then act on that, you have to, you have to just get down on your knees. There's no, you can't just imagine it or feel it. You have to physically make that step and humble yourself. You can ask for God to humble you, but I would never do that because um, you're asking for a big trouble. <laughs> okay, so we need to be humble before God because that way we can cast off our worries and our concerns on him. And we can say, here you go, that's my concerns. And then he, we can say, what do you want me to do about it? Teach me what I need to do in this situation. So Joshua was, uh, was walking around and he was looking at Jericho and not I would presume he's a, he had a few battles previously on the other side of uh, Jordan, and um, he was probably looking at Jericho, thinking, "There's not many trees around that we can uh, chop down and use as a battering ram, but we could tr probably try and find something like that to, to do the gates in." Um, or he was sort of wandering around, saying, "Can, can we find a, a little gap in the wall somewhere where we, which we can exploit, which we can sneak some, a few people in, and they can go and open the gates for the rest of us?" He was probably in his mind working out a strategy, are we going to have to build some ladders to put up um, and try and get up there before they kick them down? All these sorts of things probably would have been going through his mind as he was strategizing and working out how to, to attack the place. But then he met with God and he fell down. He said, Lord, what do you say to your servant? 
the Lord, it says, um, verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 14 from Joshua, Then Joshua fell face down to the, to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? Chapter 6, verse 2 to 5, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpet. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and people will go up, every man straight in. So what happens when we meet God? We meet God and we're humbled by and before him and then he brings direction and guidance into our life. If you're not humble before God and you're seeking him to give you direction, you're going to be very disappointed because he's not going to give you direction or guidance in your life other than to say, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We can plan and scheme. <laughs> as, a, as a young man, I, uh, I think I was about 18, 18 or 19, and I just, I, I sort of been back following God properly, following Jesus sort of really full on for about six months, and I considered whether celibacy was the way to go for me. <laughs> Fortunately, I wasn't given that gift. <laughs> but um, I was thinking about how I was going to plan my life. How I was going to, sort of, okay, if I don't ever get married, then I don't have to worry about having a house to pass on to anyone, a mortgage or anything like that, or having any money to pass on, or having to look after children, or having to look after a wife. I don't have to worry about having a, a career-type job where I can advance and get money to pay for all of these things that I'm going to have to look after people and so I, I seriously considered it um, it didn't work out <laughs> I uh, yeah I'll maybe tell you a story about that another time but, um, <laughs> no no it's not been good it's a bit of a softy story really oh. so I had a dream where I was sitting on a little chair or a big armchair and this little blonde girl with curly ringlets ran up and jumped on the side of the chair and sat on my lap and was like, read me a story, Daddy. And then after that, I was like, man, I cannot live my life without having kids. So Aww. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I was a bit more of that. Put myself out here. Um, my point was that I was trying to get to was that I was, I was planning things and I was saying this is how I'm going to structure my life. And this is, if I am going to get married, this is the type of woman that I want to marry. And God says, yeah, right, bang, all of your plans are gone, this is what you're going to do. And he brings it in. Sometimes he says, yeah, you can keep that bit, you can keep that bit, you can keep that bit. But a lot of the time he says, you've planned these, but I'm determining your steps. So I'd say my heart, sort of passion that God has given me is still... I believe that's going to happen still. And he's sort of changed the steps of how I'm going to get there, which I'm fine by that because he's much wiser and more intelligent than I am. Um, 
often he'll give us crazy things to do, like Joshua. Joshua was thinking, oh, if we get round, we can sort of maybe do the back gate and the front gate in, and we'll get in there and sort of they'll be divided. But we'll have to get some, uh, some battering rams to ram in the doors, and then we'll sort of have to push through, and we'll have to have shields up to protect us from people throwing stuff as we're bashing on the door. I thought that quite a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how was I? It's not Jericho. Um, but God says to him, what I want you to do, get all the people and walk round. And then what I want you to do is get up the next day and walk round. Not, not, not lots of times, just once so you're not tired. Just once, then just once. And then on the last day, I want you to do it seven times whilst some people are playing a tune on the, the trumpets. <laughs> and then I want everyone to go, woohoo! At the end. Okay? That's, this is what God says on how to attack a fortified city. <laughs> It's genius, it is. Now, I just want to make it clear, this isn't some kind of seismic weaponry that God has devised. It's not that they all they all went, and reached the same pitch, and it sort of, the walls shook, and then it started to fall out. That's not what happened. What it was, was a chance for God to show up, go... Yeah, we just push the walls down. <laughs> because that's what he can do. He's, he's not bound by the things that we're bound by. There's a chance for God to show that if the people were trusting him to do crazy stuff, that he would meet them in it. I mean, they, I mean, they must have had a decent level of faith because they've just crossed the Jordan. They've walked across a, a river that was in flood on dry land. So they must have been, had a bit of faith in there, but... Even still, a sort of a bit, it's a big ask, if you ask me. <laughs> Which, just as an aside, sometimes the plans that God gives us are so crazy, for want of a better word, in the natural sense, that they shouldn't be repeated unless God tells you to. If Joshua had gone, hang on, this is what we did at Jericho, let's go and do that to all the other places. He could have just sent out little teams of people to start walking around, and they'd have had a head start. They could have just turned up on the last day. But that's not what God said to do. God had a, a different strategy for a different town, and it, Joshua had to be obedient and listen and wait for the instruction for each place. I'm getting on a bit there, but you've got that to look forward to. When we meet with God, we need to humbly accept the instruction and guidance that God gives us, no matter how crazy it may seem. Uh, I think sometimes there's, I mean, for me, a, a thing is money. There's people, that all, it's, as it's such a massive issue, I thank God that he got me on it quite early on in my, my sort of coming back to him. But I, I know in my past, I, God's told me, give away this amount of money, and I sort of think, I've, I'm sure I've shared this before, but I was like, man, that's a lot of money. But you've told me to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. Now, that was easy for me. I was... 20, 21 years old, had no other responsibilities other than myself and what I wanted to buy, which was mainly chicken mix, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't that much of a, a thing to give up. Uh, so you think that's funny because it's not true, but it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, which, and God, after I did that, I, I have no doubt in my mind that God will provide for me if I'm giving faithfully to him. There's no... There's, there's no situation. If God said to me, I want you to give all, all your whole month's wages away, I'm going 
got to be very careful here because he may say it. Um, <laughs> not to the church. <laughs> no, if I'm very, I'm, I trust God completely with my own. I'm trying to buy a house at the moment. That's part of sort of the, the, my life that's happening, and that is just a crazy venture. The amount of money that you need to even be able to say, can I please borrow some more money so that I can buy a house? It's ridiculous. Um, but I, I trust God that he's going to provide. I know because I'm faithful with my giving to God. I, I live... Oh, that's just a sign. Yeah. Point, uh, I'll go to my third point. When we meet God, we need to humbly accept his his guidance and follow it follow it to the letter don't change it to, to sort of ease it up a bit for yourself um, and when we do that we're rewarded not only with seeing God move in someone's life with seeing God move in a particular situation but by seeing a new facet of God's character I believe that that picture of the diamond will, will not be one that goes away um, when I heard that I was just like man that's so so weighty and so good, there's so much to that. And I, I believe that as we put Christ first as a church, that that means we get to see him out in front. And we get to see different angles. Oh, <laughs> I almost had a point in a second there. Um, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Now Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua had been in battles before. He, he fought with, uh, for Moses. And they, the Israelites had had wars and sort of they they killed people on the way and they'd sort of taken some land on the other side of the Jordan. But Jesus says here, as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So, whereas Joshua had known from past experiences um, and under the leadership of Moses, um, God reveals himself, Jesus reveals himself here in a new way. He says, commander over Joshua. Whereas Joshua had experience of Jesus and God as the, as the manna giver, the one who manna came down and he provided for them to eat. They had experience of him as the, the sea partner, the one who could just go, over you go, stop up the waters. They had those experiences. They had, there was, in the history of Israel, there was the experience of the plagues that were on Egypt, the sustaining their clothes while they were in the desert. It says, it says uh, that their shoes didn't wear out. How good would that be? You have a pair of comfortable shoes they don't start getting holes in the side they just don't wear out they stay in that same level of comfort for a long time I really like that one <laughs> I hate buying shoes <laughs> anyway that's not the modern era stuff to wear out um, so Joshua knew from past experiences who God was or different aspects of God's character he knew from the stories of old about God providing a lamb a ram in the thicket when um, Abraham was going to kill his son, when he was going to sacrifice his son, thank you. 
and the plane. Um, he, he had all of those stories. He had all of those understandings. But now God said to him, as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. I'm coming in here to give you military strategy, to give you tactics, to give you all of these insights that you need to complete the campaign and the mission that I've given you. When we meet with God, he broadens our understanding of who he is. You can't help but be changed when you meet with God. If you've really meted, meted, met with God, you can't help but be changed. There's no, there's no sort of, I met God today, how was it? Eh, it's all right. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. If it does, then you didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's no two, it's like, I'm trying to, I, there's no way that you can meet with God and not be changed. There's, I think the Bible, you can read the Bible and not be changed. That shouldn't happen. But every time you open this book, not this particular one, but the Bible, you should be changed. There should be something in there that gets into you. And if you're not reading it with that in mind, you need to start reading it with that in mind. Because even just being aware of that fact will change how you read this so, I, I've got a Bible in a year that I keep in the, the, the WC, the water closet, and I, um, I read through it. And I sort of, for a long time, I just was like, yeah, it's just, I'm just getting my quota done. I'm doing my three chapters a day, or however many it is, I don't know how many it is. And that was, it was sort of, it was just, it was just something I did for the sake of doing it. But that's just not how it's meant to be. When you read this book, this is meeting with God. When you, this is the words of God spoken into your life. We live in such a privileged generation because we can have access to, to not just one copy of this for the whole church, which the priest keeps hold of, and just, yeah, I'll use that bit and I'll twist it a little bit and no one can check it out because they haven't got their own one. We don't live in a time like that. We're so privileged. We've got untold amount of translations, which... It's also a hindrance because some of them are appalling. Um, but we've got some, we've got good translations of the Bible that we can have access to readily. I look on the internet sometimes when if I want to look at some stuff. And there's a, there's a website, I think it's called Biblos, B-I-B-L-O-S. I'm not sure if it's a .com, but if you search that, you'll... .org. .org. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can, you can have two versions of the Bible side by side. Now, that's free to do on the internet. It wasn't that long ago that it would cost you hundreds of pounds to get as a CD that you had to put in your computer. We live in such a privileged time that we can meet with God by reading the Word whenever we want. That's massively off point, but anyway. Far too often we limit God to our understanding. We limit Him to, to our experiences. I know God has, has, uh, has done this for me, so I know He can do it again. I know that he's, he's healed my back, so I believe he can heal backs, but brain tumours, I'm not so sure. Dodgy, dodgy knees, I'm not so sure. I know he can do backs, but that's, that's it. That's not the God that we serve. We need to, to be dissatisfied with just a glimpse. We need, to, we need to not be satisfied with one aspect of God. That's what, there's a lot of people that have got into trouble because... They've gone, 
God's the judge. That's, we need to be so holy and so pure, and we need to just concentrate completely on him judging us on everything that we do. And they get locked into that, and they completely lose grace. They completely lose that we're saved because Jesus loved us. There's the same way there are people who go, it says that God is love, so anything goes because he can just do whatever we want, and he loves us. And it's like, well, I'll just, I'll just sort of skip along with the basket and throw some flowers out, and everything will be great. And what they miss is they miss the fact that, that God is holy. It says in the Bible, God is love, but it also says in that passage that we read, holy, holy, holy. Okay? It's not that he's just one thing. He's so, he's so much bigger than our understanding. But we need to, that's not an excuse that we can say, okay, well, he's too big for me to understand, so I'm not going to bother trying. We need to be hungry and desiring that more and more different aspects of him. That's what I, lo- I love at the minute, um, the worship team that we've got. Because we've got so many different people in there and so many different styles and personalities that they all reflect something of how we can worship God. <coughs> ben, I'd like to think Ben is like the cool, the cool worship leader. Tony's got his, his like style on the piano, which is all good. I'm a little bit country. <laughs> 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 but for me, I just I, I think that is so healthy for us as a church because we're getting people pointing pointing us towards God that have got a different understanding of who God is and a different way of expressing what God has done in their life. We need to not limit God. In this passage, God shows that He's He's not just our Father; He's the Daddy. I don't know if you know that expression. It's from a film called Scum, which is a horrible film. Don't ever watch it. Um, but it's basically there's, there's a competition of vying for who's the, the hardest, who's the meanest, who's the toughest. And this guy, he abuses this guy and beats him up. And he goes, I'm the daddy now, and don't you forget it. Because that's the title that was given to the person who was top of the ladder. God is not just our father, he's the daddy. He shows in this passage that he's a warrior with a sword drawn, a military strategist a tough guy. We, uh, as a family, how, sorry, how am I doing for time? Yeah. Let's carry on. Um, I just want to quote that commentary again. However difficult the way ahead may be, let us not be fearful, for if we humbly and submissively enjoy the revelation of his presence, we have nothing to fear. We are not to be preoccupied with our undefeatable Jerichos, but we can rest in our omnipotent God. We need to be meeting with God regularly. We need to be being made more humble in his presence. We need to be more open to his leading. We need to be having our understanding of him made more broad and more expansive through obedience to that leading. Why? So that as our faith grows, fear is conquered. The antidote to fear is faith. If you have faith that God can do something, you're not going to be fearing that he can't. Have we got time to, to watch that? We've got a, a video clip to watch, which is actually ties in a bit, which is just for me, it just it expands our knowledge of God, our understanding of Jesus a bit more. There are, there are one or two sort of graphic scenes of the crucifixion. They're a total of about four seconds. 
a sort of a little clip of him coming up and a clip of him on the cross. So if you've got people that are not going to be, I think you've got a, a young girl there, she might want to sort of cover her eyes or something like that because it's it is very graphic, but it's it's very accurate to how it would have been. So I just want us to watch this and uh, and just sort of let our minds be opened and expanded to who God is, who Jesus was, who Jesus still is. And just let our, our understanding be expanded. Um, yeah, okay, so we'll watch that and then we'll, we'll finish there. The Bible says, my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon. 
if he hasn't transformed your life, then you don't know him. You don't know him if he hasn't absolutely transformed your life. I'm so in love with that man. I'm so in love with Jesus. And I'll never outlove him. You will never outlove Jesus. Some of you in this room don't know him. You're rejecting him. You're saying, pee off. That's what you're doing. You say you're better than him. You're saying he doesn't know. He knows and he loves you. And you better make a decision soon. Because the commander of the army of the Lord bears a sword. And we can be as PC as we want to be. There will come a day when he will crush the sinner. Because you don't abuse a savior like that. You don't abuse perfection. You don't kick holiness in the face and say, just love me. He's going to deal with us. Oh my gosh, but if you know him. If you. know him there's nothing like it can we just stand and pray i'm gonna beg you today i'm gonna beg you if you don't know the savior and if you haven't been marked maybe you need to be filled by the spirit and maybe one of three things i always think maybe you could be like me and you just start crying when you just realize how wonderful our savior is Maybe you just don't know him. Maybe you just don't know him. And if you don't know him, change that today, please. And thirdly, you don't know him in the way that you haven't been marked by him. And everything in life is conquering you except his love for you. And you need prayer. Simple as. And the ministry team needs to be praying for these people, please. If he hasn't marked your life in such a way that you can just go on and on like that ancient saint, you don't know him. Not completely. This is eternal life. But you know the Son and the Father who sent Him. Just mark us, Lord. Mark us with an absolute knowledge of You. Make us men who cry in amazement at Your love and glory. Men who want to be like You. Men who would say, put me on the cross if it means that I can show my love for my wife, my children, my culture, my people by showing them the person of Jesus. Let us be women that submit and love You the way that You, uh, the way that the church just just bow to You and love You, Lord God. Let us be women that are, are just sacrificial and loving and caring. Let us be men and women that declare Your beauty and Your majesty by our lives and by this overwhelming consciousness this declarative praise this glorious ongoing he's my king he's my king he's not just a cheap savior he's my king lord mark us with that mark us with that by the power of your spirit lord i pray thank you thank you thank you for encountering us today i just pray god that you would just continue to show us more and more of you until that day lord when you show us who you truly are. And all, all tears, all shame, all sorrow, all fear, all sadness will be wiped away. But we'll see him as he truly is. Lord, we love you. Thank you for encountering your people this morning from start to end. Thank you that, thank you that, thank you that it doesn't end. <laughs> Amen. I can go and just get on my knees and once again, bam, you can just be there. To show yourself again, Lord. We just love you and ask that you go with us. Mark us as a people. Mark us as a church. You've said many words over us, Lord. May this be a part of that. Be marked by Christ first in his multifaceted, incomprehensible beauty. We love you, Lord. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Lord.
like I said, there's a ministry team that will pray for you if you need prayer. If there's a lot of you that need prayer, brilliant. We'll just pack up the ministry team and go for it. So, uh, yeah, bless you. Teas and coffees outside.